This is Valley Views, our weekly conversation with influential and interesting folks from around the Wet Mountain Valley. Today on Valley Views, we're visiting with Thomas Fluharty, a nationally known artist who's in town for some workshops. Sangre's Art Guild and Rebecca's Fund are sponsoring those. Thomas, welcome to the program. Ah, thank you very much, Gary. Now, you and I have a Buckeye connection. You grew up in southwestern Ohio in the Dayton area, as yeah. I understand. I grew up in Cleveland and uh, <laughs> went to Miami of Ohio and UC. So, uh, I see. Did, were you one of those kids that drew at the very young age? Yeah, I, I was drawing. I mean, that's the very first thing I did, pretty much. And my mom and dad thought I traced, so I was just drawing all the time. That's amazing. I'm, I look at photorealism type drawing and wonder how that is possibly done. Uh, do you remember what started it? I don't really know what started it other than the fact that I would uh, eat cereal. Uh, I would eat Quisp and Cap'n Crunch and <laughs> Quake. And I was just drawing the boxes, you know. And, uh, and then I was drawing the curtains. And I would draw my mom and my father, uh, you know, just sitting there. And then I would draw for Mad Magazine. Uh, I had Mad Magazines or my neighbors did. And I just drew the art that was in Mad Magazine as well. That's too funny. Now, anyone paying attention to current affairs would likely recognize some of your art. You've been published in the New York Times, had cover art for De Spiegel and for Time. But maybe most exciting is a cover of Mad Magazine. I mean, yeah. that's like the ultimate. Uh, right. I've followed Harvey Kurtzman, yeah. uh, Bill Gaines, when yep. they started, like totally. 1952 or something. And when right. I was a kid, yeah. I looked at that. If you were drawn that kind of stuff, you must have been really drawn to Mad Magazine. Yeah, I was. I mean, when I when I got that that gig and that that opportunity happened, it was pretty magical. Is a funny story around it all, but it was just the kind of thing that it was my dream to to do it, and it it happened eventually. That's great. Now you're here in the Wet Mountain Valley to uh, do workshops mainly. Uh, what what's what's all on your docket? Yeah, so the Sangris Art Guild, who's invited me out, did a workshop in Ohio. And I love doing workshops because I engage artists. Um, I'm engaging artists already on social media uh, on an, any given week. And just um, speaking and sort of breathing life into the community of artists. Being an artist is kind of a weird thing. You doubt a lot. And so just by, uh, after doing this 38 years, doing workshops is something that I really enjoy doing. So that's why I'm here to do a workshop for the next two days. This is an art community out here, and I think it's really cool. There's, there's galleries all in this town, so I'm, I'm digging it. I'm loving it. Excellent. And what's your impression of Westcliff so far? It's actually amazing. I think it's a cool place. I would love to live here, but I can't. I can't just uproot and move, but I think it's really an amazing place, and it's actually really well taken care of. I'm surprised. Well, we're pleased to have you here because uh, I know that there's a big art community and people always like talking to uh, like-minded folks, uh, especially folks like you who really do it for a living. So so how would you describe your style? You've got this blend of cartooning, but there's a fine art piece to it and there's a big piece of humor in the whole thing, at least as I look at it. How, How do you see it? I'm a humorous illustrator, bottom line. I'm, I make fun of stuff and I spoof stuff. 
So that's my sort of my in, and that's really what I think is something I've always loved and, and went after. Because I'm a goofy guy anyways, I'm funny, and I'm just never really serious. So to do uh, the natural extension, like if I were to paint flowers, people would say, hey, I like your flowers. But if all of a sudden I did somebody sticking their head out of flowers, uh, and like they're gasping for air, and they were cracking up, they would, they would like that more. So it was like the humorous stuff got way more attention every time I would draw it and show it to people than the serious stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's a natural extension of who I am. It's, and then I've gotten classically trained in the last 20 years. I was already an illustrator for 20 uh, and then, so basically for the last 18, I really started studying with great talent and understanding principle rather than just, hey, here's how I draw a cloud. Let me show you how I draw a cloud. But more classical education is more, what is the cloud about? How, what, are the, what are the ideas that go into that cloud? So you can paint a cloud on any day because you understand the way it is, not just, oh, he's just going to make it fluffy and he's going to add pink because that's how he does clouds. So, Thomas, uh, if it's okay with you, we're going to grab some of your images to put on our website so folks out there in uh, Radioland can see what we're talking about. Yeah, sure. That's awesome. Thank you. Now, you studied with cartoonist Ken Bald, uh, who was who drew for Marvel and did the Dr. Kildare strips, yeah. uh, I believe. And you studied with him for a number of years. Yeah. What did he have to teach you that you couldn't find elsewhere? Well, what he did teach me, number one, was drawing. He showed me by the way that he could draw and the draftsman that he was, that drawing was it. Drawing's the top. Like, if you're a painter, that's fine. But drawing is the top. And you only paint as well as you draw. So I saw drawing every day with him. And I would act, he's one of the people that I would show him. I would take in a, uh, a drawing of a shoe. And he would look at the shoe and he'd say, Tommy, that's fine, young man, that's fine. <laughs> and then if I took him in a guy falling off of a horse, he'd be like, oh, Tommy, this is what you should do. Mm-hmm. And he would, he would just crack up and love it. The other thing is I would see him draw things that were funny and people would just die laughing. Mm-hmm. And I realized, so I'm 20 years old at the time, I'm like, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. I want to make people laugh with my art. And you can see that in the art. Thanks. Let me, let me ask you kind of the nerdy question. Sure. Uh, let me mention a few of my favorite yeah, cartoonists yeah. and uh, any comments that you might have yeah. uh, if they're in your world, too. Yeah. Uh, George Harriman, who drew the surrealistic Crazy Cat. Yeah. Uh, Will Eisner, yep. who drew the groundbreaking spirit. Uh, Crumb, who drew yep. the underground comics, but also really focused on illustrating musical artists like you do. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Ralph Steadman, yeah. who's uh, got quite the style. He was a perfect foil for Hunter S. Thompson's yeah. like Fear and Loathing uh, in yeah. Las Vegas. Yeah. Any, any of those guys resonate or other people that are kind of in that world? Yeah, they're, they're rock stars pretty much. You know, Steadman is, uh, I look at his work still. I go back and look and see things I can maybe uh, pick up and grab from him. Uh, there's a saying, professional steal and amateurs imitate. <laughs> we do steal. So Sting has inspirations from other people. Same with Paul Simon. They're, they're, they're stealing from the things that they're inspired by and then they're eventually it comes out as their own but you know and, and, and you, you talked about before crumb there was someone oh eisner so eisner. will eisner he had, he had a book graphic novel or something a contract with god and then he also did another uh drawings uh, another book back in the day so when i'm 20 i'm looking at will eisner and his storytelling ability 
And so you also mentioned Harvey Kurtzman, my friend Kevin Sacco, mm-hmm. who really trained me up, really um, worked underneath Kevin as well. He's still a friend. He was friends with Kurtzman. And these are all guys that were all sort of standing on the back of these guys, but they, um, they're standing on the backs of other people as well. Exactly. It, that's the way the world works. How about influences from the fine arts part? You certainly yeah. have that influence. Yeah, so the fine art realm is you obviously have Rembrandt, you have Bouguereau. There's a dude I'm looking at right now, uh, Luis Leopold Bowilly. And so Bowilly would do these bizarre sort of almost caricatured, pushed drawings. So he, he wasn't just drawing someone angry. He was drawing someone really angry and really high-pushed, big eyes, big nose. And so there's also caricature, caricaturists from the past. You know, you have Daumier, which was really mm-hmm. like the, sort of like the godfather of uh, that. There were people before him, Thomas Rowland, Thomas Nast, these kind of guys. And... Those are guys I like, but the people that I really love, I'm actually more drawing uh, from the masters. So you have Jean-Auguste Dominique Ang, it's I-N-G-R-E-S. And so I take their takes and their, 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 their schooling, and then I bring it over and put it into a, a silly big-nosed cowboy with a big puffy belly, but he's painted in a Rembrandt approach. I can see that. Tell me a bit about your indigo blue technique. Some of your uh, describe that for folks yeah. in Radio Land. Yeah. So the indigo blue technique, it's a uh, it's from a pencil. It's the Prismacolor nine zero one indigo blue pencil. I found it at the bottom of a box one um, night at two a.m. when I was leaving my studio. I looked down in this box. I was looking for something else. I found that pencil is about a half inch long. I did a mark with it. and I thought, wow, that looks actually really cool. I love that color. And so uh, I said, I'm going to draw with that in the morning. So when I woke up, I drew Hellboy, uh, a portrait of Hellboy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I put it up on social media, and it really, it really took off. It, it got a tremendous amount of response. What appeals to people in the blue line technique, that 901, is it's drawing. And it's pure drawing. It's, it's raw drawing, meaning that if you don't even realize it or not, especially artists that are trained, they love drawing. And I say, what I'm, all I'm doing is I'm just doing what we all love anyways. We really love drawing, and we want to all be good at it. We don't want to just be good at it. We want to be great at it. So it's, it's infused with just the love of drawing. That's mm-hmm. what it is. Now, tell me, as we're talking about enthusiasm, that dogs aren't your favorite subject. They, uh, they've got to be high on your they list. They are extremely high. What sure. is it about the dogs that excite you as an artist? They're just hilarious. They're already hilarious. It's like I'm drawing cowboys right now, but and I'm actually going to draw dog cowboys coming up soon. That's going to happen. But they're just the, the I, I own dogs. I have a dog, and they're they're dogs that these dogs we have these re- weird relationships with. My dog thinks I'm married to her, so my wife says you have more pictures of Biddy on your phone than you do of me, and I said you're right. So it was just like I can't deny it anymore. But they're just, they're just so fun to draw. They're really fun to draw. But there's also there's a fan base involved. So I'm not just drawing like Caterpillars. Caterpillars has a small fan base. I'm, I'm connecting and I'm drawing something that I think, first of all, I love it, but I also know other people love it. And it will strike a chord and it will allow op- it'll open up opportunities for me. Now, you're a teacher. You like getting kids started What's your favorite part about working with kids on art? 
Yeah, that's a good question. To tap into something that they already love. They love to draw. There, nobody, nobody has to tell them to draw. Like if you and and there's a saying, everybody is is an artist as a kid. But how do you retain? How do you continue to be one? Is the problem. And Picasso said that. That's a Picasso quote. Everybody's everybody's an artist, but how do you continue to be one? And so to sort of tap into what's already there, what they're already doing. That's what I love to do. But then also to call out the ones that are really exceptional and really, uh, I think, have more of a gift. I do believe in there's, there's more of a gifting in certain kids that I, I reach out to them and say, hey, you know, you could do this as, as your job in eventually. But I'm actually quite cautious about what I tell people to get into the, to the career of art because it's, it's risky. It's not, there's, there's not really a staff position just waiting for you to go get your degree and go sit in a seat and get paid for it. You have to really think about how do I do this? How do I monetize this? Mm-hmm. So kids are, kids are great to, to just encourage them to do what they love to do. Obviously, you were like that with a kid. Somebody would look at your early work and say, this guy is special. Yeah, I, I, basically my first grade teacher stole my uh like three or four drawings of mine and i didn't know it but i got them in the mail like 45 years later and when i got and when i got them in the mail she gave me her phone number and i called her up and said mrs geiger you basically stole my drawings for 45 years what why she says well i thought these drawings were different than the other kids and i just wanted to hold on to them and now i want you to have them back (laughs) so it's like she noticed that they were at different levels and i will just say this to be to be to be honest is that there are kids throwing a baseball better than the other kids and these are the kids that get into the professional leagues you know that to the um, to the major leagues right. and I'm same with my friends They're, we're the same way we were the ones that were drawing maybe better than the other kids it's not a brag it's just we had that thing that ability that even really a lot of it's just desire and fire to just keep doing it when other kids would just sort of peter out Right. And speaking of baseball, your time cover with Ken Griffey Jr. and Mark McGuire, I understand, hangs in the National Portrait Gallery. Yeah, it was. How was, cool is that? Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Yeah, that was interesting. I only had 12 hours on that cover, which was absolutely insane. Wow. And uh, that stressed me out. But then uh, they also double commissioned that. So I did it and another artist. And when they get both of them back in the offices of Time Magazine on that Friday evening, they look at them and they say, this one's going to be it. And so mine happened, they chose mine over the other artists. And that's pretty cool. So, Very good. Uh, Of what pieces are you most proud? That's a good question. A lot of them are my newer pieces, but some pieces hold up that I still look back over the years. I just did uh, a painting based off of The Godfather, but it's called The Dog Father, <laughs> and it's all dogs. Uh, it's the, it's the, the Don Corleone painting of him in his office with all the family standing around. These are all dogs. So this is like a 30 by 40 painting. I really love that painting. I sell it as a print in my store, but it's just, it's just like, it's just a cool painting. And I'm getting ready to do a cowboy saloon fight that I think uh, if I can pull it off, that would be, be my favorite as well. Now, is most of your work contracted or do you just do things and then try to figure out where it would sell best? Yeah, most of my work is not contracted, actually. Some of it is, but a lot of the editorial work, all of that was contracted. But all the stuff I do now, it's a matter of 
what do I love? What do I really want to do? And then I tell the story on social media, post it up, post up the sketches, and then eventually sell it as prints and sell the original. So it's rare that doing a painting based off of a commission. Okay. And those usually squ- those commissions usually um, knock the life out of you. They, they don't have the same joy as creating your own thing. I can understand that. As we run short of time, what else should folks know about you and your art? Well, number one, I'm, I'm a Christian. And so I was radically saved thir- 38 years ago. So my life isn't so much that God, I mean, that, that art saved my life. It's that God intervened in my life, God through Christ. And so that put my whole life in focus and in balance where art wasn't my chief satisfaction, but I do dig it and I love it and I go after it every day really hard, but I love my family. And that loving my family and loving those around me and even loving the community is cool because at the end of the day, art can only make me so happy or fill in the blank, money, music, whatever it is. And yet it's a gift to be able to do it. So I'm, I'm so excited that I, it's, it's sort of um, shaped and it's in the right place. Thomas, thanks for visiting. This has been uh, fascinating. I really uh, enjoyed the peek under the hood of a cartoonist. Thank you, Gary. Uh, uh, Under full disclosure, I always thought I could be a good editorial cartoonist. I was fascinated, but I could not draw at all. I mean, zero, nothing. You don't necessarily have to uh, (laughs) as an editorial cartoonist. You know, one of my favorite cartoons is uh, Pearls Before Swine, Stephen Pestis. And his uh, style is very simplistic. If you look at it, all the animals are kind of look the same, and there's just a little yep. thing. And what makes him great, in my mind, is his just wild imagination. Yeah. So, so real quick, I have there's two people come to my mind. One of them is Mike Luckovich. He used to work yep. for the Atlantic Constitution. Yep. I don't know if he still does. He can't draw, but his drawings are so beautiful because they're crude, right? So I would I would like to draw crudely like that. Now I actually became friends with one of my dear friends, Michael Ramirez, who's I, a I very know, famous. I know him, yes. He's out of L.A. He and I are buddies. We became buddies. I've been to his house, and he's incredible. I love. He's my favorite artist. So I I steal from Michael all the time. So Michael's a two time Pulitzer winner, but he's a guy now that can draw. So you have, you have this thing where you could do it if you can't draw. Drawing is not the top for that. It's really your brain and how you think, you know? That's a good point. That's the way I see it, too. Thomas, thanks for uh, visiting. Uh, thank you, Gary, so much, man. We've been visiting with Thomas Fluharty. We will have some of his work on our website, uh, so you can check that out. He's nationally known. He's in town with the Sangres Art Guild and the Rebecca's Fund during the Art Hullabaloo. My name's Gary, and we'll see you next time on Valley Views. You've been listening to Valley Views on KLZR 91.7 FM. Valley Views airs Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7 a.m. and 4 p.m., and again on Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Send your ideas and comments to comments at klzr.org. Valley Views is produced by the volunteers of KLZR 91.7 FM. I'm walking on a rainbow with my feet on solid ground